Welcome to No Bollocks Marketing, the podcast by e-commerce agency Be Found, Be Chosen. Your no-nonsense guide to quality traffic, better conversion rates and higher profits. Now, now into the episode. Yeah, no, Ben, thank you very much for, for joining me for a, a quick podcast. I thought just to kick off, do you want to give a quick background in the sales cycle and what the report is and what it's about, who's it for, that kind of stuff? Yep, certainly. So um, sales cycle have been around for 11 years now. Um, they were, well, they're a northeast company. We're currently out of um, Hortonley Spring and Rayton Meadows in Sunderland, but have offices in France as well. The concept of sales cycle is to assist in the conversions, the funnel, the sales funnel. And within that, it is predominantly around the abandoned basket cycle, but also to increase conversion optimization at every touch point within websites. Mm -hmm. We work predominantly with sites with e-commerce sites, sites with baskets, but we do partner up with companies who have e-commerce clients. So we work exclusively with e-com, but we will, we obviously partner with people who've got e-commerce clients. Mm-hmm. We work with the likes of Amadeus who work in the travel industry and so on. Um, it's an exciting company to work in. It's got a lot of very, very cool features. Um, a lot of kind of days aren't the same, especially from a marketing perspective. So we get to see all of the types of prospects that are coming into the business and who want to work with us, mm-hmm. um, who view our webinars, who download our white papers. This e-commerce ebook it, it is our linchpin ebook released every single year goes down really well it's the one people wait for because it contains a lot of insights across a number of sectors but also a number of very interesting areas through what's happened in the past year so in this in, in this um one for example we've got things like the impact of COVID-19 especially mm. on the travel industry but also looking on the likes of Black Friday and Singles Day off the back of COVID-19 so why yeah. they were so successful and so on. Absolutely no and you sales cycle as a whole work with pretty big e-commerce sites mainly I'd imagine. Yeah so we work with some of the biggest companies in the world um, yep. there's some fantastic um, local brands as well so for example we yeah. work with uh, Intermarché in France mm. who are kind of like a Mm-hmm. I suppose the uh, the Asda of France in some ways. We work with the likes of Kate Spade, Interflora, um, mm-hmm. New Era in the, in the yeah. United Kingdom, and yeah, it's going yeah. quite well. The, the point being that you you know you're crunching a lot of data here. You're looking at a lot of sessions on the internet, looking at user behaviour. So potentially the smaller sites that a company like Be Founded work with can still benefit a hell of a lot from these insights that we're going to talk about as we get into it. The insights that you're going to see today, I would use as a benchmark. Um, If you are a smaller company aspiring, these are the types of abandonment rates that big companies are getting. Now, they may be similar because traffic at that level is absolutely out of this world. You know, Mm -hmm. there are companies out there that are just driving traffic day in, day out at any point of the day. And it's phenomenal, you know, size. Mm -hmm. But the conversion rate is still very, very important to them, just as it is with small companies. So, some of the key takeaways I'd say from especially this report and from my experience within this, be it large or small companies, I think COVID-19, for example, has given us a bit of a shock Yeah. to make sure that every single visitor to your site, you, you capture their details, you give them an experience. There isn't really room for losing people. The bounce rate should really be as small as possible and conversion mm. rate should be as high as possible to keep people mm. because it's not about that one-off conversion now we need to start thinking about the lifetime conversion value of some of these people on the site, because yeah. if you're selling them a shirt, you want to sell them a shirt again. Yeah. It's, it's, there's going to be more and more sites comparing how many purchases they're getting per year off particular customers. It's not all about recruitment. Like what's been forced down our throats recently, hasn't it? With Google, Google ads, you know, product list and stuff and Facebook ads being pretty can easy. <laughs> Most, mostly. Yeah. Um, the recruitment's been so easy, but now, and it's quite refreshing to see, actually, there's a huge piece around retention for e-commerce as a whole. Yeah, retention in itself, the CRM cycle, making sure that you keep in touch with your your past customers, Yeah, making sure that you do retarget the people that have been on the site and have mm-hmm. left. Um, close those abandonments down. Sales cycle 
close the abandonments down and it's a fantastic way mm-hmm. of gaining that additional revenue um we'll talk through it later on within this but yeah there are some great ways to increase that average order by just simply retargeting the people who've abandoned that basket yeah. um now yes they put stuff in the basket for a reason yes yeah. there are a lot of window shoppers out there but if the window shopping as we'll see with some of the data especially around the end of the month around payday they're going to convert at some point, but the idea is to convert them earlier because if they mm. find that product cheaper somewhere else, they're going to buy it on payday somewhere else instead of with you. That's interesting. We'll, we'll come back to that one, Ben. But um, the, the first thing, and I don't want to dwell on it for too long because we've all, we're all sick to death of talking about COVID. But, you know, from, from your guys' perspective with the amount of data you're looking at, have you measured anything in terms of the true impact of what COVID-19 has been on e-commerce? We've seen what I would call spots of information within each sector. Okay. Without a doubt, the biggest hit is travel. And, you know, around the world, you couldn't fly. You still can't in some areas. Hotels aren't necessarily open. I've just came back from uh, a local trip. And I'm very honest, the hotels weren't open there either. So there is a problem in that it's not going to come back to normality anytime soon. Mm-hmm. So therefore, as we were talking about with the, tra- the traffic before, every single person that goes on a hotel holiday or a, you know, just, just even the airlines websites becomes super important to gather their data early. Mm-hmm. So when it comes time to market to them properly, you've got their information in the bag mm-hmm. without that they're just a visitor. They're just looking at your website and then they're leaving because if they can't book right now, when, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. And that's something which we provide for um, some of our airline clients and they found it very, very useful because they can harness the power of that data as and when it comes time to get back in touch with their, their prospects to turn them into customers, but also their customers to turn them into re- returning customers. In that instance specifically, what what data are you talking about? Is it, is it an email address? Is it... Yeah, so um, I call it more kind of, um, I suppose, the the preference when people go on a site, just a simple pop-up, capturing that email early and then using it later on to the very best advantage of that company. Because without it, Mm -hmm. well, they're just a visitor. You know, know, it works the same with the browsing. If they are browsing um, that flight, let's pop it, let's, let's pop it in, let's pop it in the basket, let's, let's remarket to them but let's catch mm. that data and remember that later on we can remarket to that that person mm-hmm. okay so you can you can monitor that you know particularly users have clicked the add the basket button and you know that the list of people that have clicked the add the basket button are the really really hot ones that you need to get back in front of later on of course and we it's not just what we look at from a point of view of um they've just added something to the basket. What have they put in their basket? What are the trends? What basket items are leaving? What basket items are important? And also mm-hmm. the, the conversions themselves, what conversions are happening? Mm-hmm. Is there a switching trend for those conversions? Now, travel we've talked about. Um, retail and, and fashion were strange ones because um, you've suddenly found yourself in a position where you're either queuing outside a shop to get your groceries or mm-hmm. you are going to have to order groceries. Um, some of the online grocery stores literally ran out of spaces to start delivering you stuff. So you were booking two weeks in advance of food. I would hedge your bets of thinking you probably needed food sooner than two weeks. Mm. So <laughs> there were there were problems at the very beginning, but they were they were fixed by the end, and that was very very good to see a switch mm. in kind of mentality and in a good way of tracking that down. Mm-hmm. What we saw in retail was. A switch of things like, um, well, your your Yeezys, your Balenciaga T-shirts, to your hoodies, slippers, webcams. Yeah. Um, the, something <laughs> that you couldn't get for love and money across the internet at one point was uh, the Lazy Spa, a blow right, pop okay. for your garden. Uh, so fantastic little item. Um, you wouldn't catch me in one, especially not my current state, but... <laughs> They Have you just, got neighbours overlooking your back garden, Ben? Is that what it is? Oh, every <laughs> night, or oh, it's just you just see steam coming out of everyone's back garden. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. It just like lights up as well. So, um, 
you know, there were silly little tidbits that we took away from that um, that we mm. saw happening. But the, um, the the increase in slippers, for example, was a really crazy one because slippers um, are predominantly purchased around the Christmas time, the Black Friday time into Christmas because what are you going to get for Christmas? What are you getting, Dad? Slippers. Yeah. And that turned into everyone's working from home. They've got slippers, you know, slippers, sweatpants, hoodies, some very, very generic stuff was purchased. Some other ones that we saw shoot up were the um, the home uh, brew kits, you know, where you just uh, mm-hmm. you get the nice cold beer, just like having one at the pub straight mm-hmm. in your house. Yep. And coffee machines. So mm-hmm. a bit of a change of pace that everyone was starting to live at home and they wanted their home luxuries that they couldn't currently get outside. So your coffee and your beer. Gym equipment as well, surely. Gym equipment shot through the roof. Again, the webcams were quite similar alongside that. I saw a lot of personal trainers pivot very well into, mm. you know, do it, doing their, their workouts online. Things like, um, I never realised how expensive um, kettlebells were, but kettlebells, your kind of dumbbells, uh, mm. bi- bicycles, um, stuff like that sold very, very, very well. Yeah. Um, and it was a change. It was a massive change in pace because you just don't expect to see that kind of momentum especially for items like that but the world changed as soon as boris johnson spoke in terms of in the uk and the data we had behind that was it took three or four days for retail online to go back to normal traffic levels after Mm -hmm. he actually spoke it it took a huge dip on that evening and it did not recover until Mm -hmm. three or four days later to its normal levels of day-to-day normality okay interesting no that's a it's, it's a good point. And I guess anyone listening, if they, they are in a particular sector like food or retail or, or anything else, the report is absolutely great for that. If you want to look into your sector and, and I encourage anyone listening to go and download the report and browse it over your next cup of coffee. But thinking just wholesale in terms of general consumer behavior, Ben, what's what's the legacy of COVID going to be? Do you think there's anything has changed fundamentally in the way people shop and what should anyone that owns an e-commerce store now in April, 2021, be wary of? Well, people have got more time currently and potentially in the future. Um, I don't think any, I think a lot of offices will probably not go back to the way they were. It's not going to be full time in an office. Yeah. People have more time. They're not driving as much. Um, so it seems to have been converted into more time on your phone. Mm-hmm. People are spending more time on their phones because they're not just seeing adverts when you're watching Netflix. There's some very cleverly placed, um, you know, products that appear. And mm-hmm. what do you do when you see something like that? You straight on your phone, you Google it, and you know, you see a nice be found, be chosen um, mm-hmm. ad that pops up first ahead of everyone else's <laughs> awesome, clever, organic search. You find the product and you're already browsing it. What's it going to look like? I wonder if there's postage on that product. I'll just stick it in my basket. I'll save that for later, bang, and off you go. Mm-hmm. And and that's becoming the norm. You're window shopping as you're sat in your pyjamas instead of actually window shopping. And that's dangerous because, you know, people have the, the worry that, well, my traffic's shot up, but so is my abandonment rate. Mm. It's, a, it's a shift in mentality. And it's a shift in mentality that I believe will probably be felt for, for years to come until we harness the use of how to better convert these people, how to educate visitors mm-hmm. on the best time to uh, to purchase. That's a really interesting point. Um, I guess as well, obviously, people have more time to drive unless they're not going to work. City centres aren't as populated. High streets are, you know, on their arse pretty much. The, the concept of window shopping changing and the effect in, that that's having is the, the key bit, I reckon. In the UK currently, yes. In mm-hmm. other countries things are moving at a very different pace so india currently is going through a very torrid time yes yeah yeah yeah. australia is pretty much a closed economy to some extent as in there's no one in or out of that country right now that they're very much self-contained but there's very few cases of um of covid19 germany is potentially looking at going into um some form of lockdown as of today in april until the likes of june right and the UK is coming out of it because of the vaccination. So everyone's dealing with this differently, which has a knock-on effect to what everyone's doing mm-hmm. right now. We are currently starting to explore outside again. So we're going to beer gardens, um, 
people are starting to, to venture out to kind of the wilderness to see what they can do in this country. Mm. And I think it'll continue, but it doesn't mean that online has to stop. It just means that we need to figure out what are people looking to do now? Well, if they're starting to go back to bars, they're going to want to ensure that they're not wearing pajamas any longer. Mm-hmm. So fashion comes back into play. Mm-hmm. If they are looking to go um, and do trips within the UK, our paddleboard is going to be really popular again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kayak's going to be popular. I say these things because I've had them in my basket. Mm-hmm. In the last week, I've had drone, paddleboard, uh, kayak, you know, new lens for my camera, all in my basket this week. Now, I've purchased none of them. Right, that's yeah. not my. That's not the behaviour I would have had last year. I would have mm-hmm. just checked them out online, and maybe that was the end. But I've literally had them in my basket. Mm-hmm. When can I get this for? Can I get it for the weekend? Because it becomes a necessity item. But it doesn't really. But mm. it, it's just something I want for this weekend. Whereas last time out, I, I would have probably had more consideration around it and more time to consider it. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, do you think consumers are happier to use the at the basket button in a lot of ways? Because I think a few years ago, the the act of putting something in your basket was actually quite committal. I thought like, right, I'm I'm going to buy this. I'm adding it to my basket. But now it seems like they're just using the basket as a dumping ground. It's something to come and think about a little bit later properly. Back then, I suppose baskets emptied themselves after 30, 40 minutes. Now your basket can hang around for days um, as long as you don't clear anything out in terms of um, your cookies or the basket. Mm -hmm. But realistically, you can save it with, with us. You can save your basket for later to some extent you can send your basket to yourself to remind you to buy those things at some other mm. point with those companies so like sales cycle sales cycle like to watch and learn from what people are wanting in the market and try and see what we can do in the future for them mm. but people's buy behavior has changed in that way that it is becoming more common thing to just throw things in your basket it is becoming common to then leave because yeah. you just you're in that mentality you're on your phone you're not on your desktop desktop used to be a really good tool for converting and now you're not you're not halfway through a, a tv show and going i'll just i'll nip i'll nip and get my laptop out and just start playing around it it's, it's all on your phone yeah. um we need to get cleverer with how our companies need to realize that we need to touch people more in when they're at that point so okay. how do we communicate with people when they've just done that is it an email is it an sms is it retargeting yeah. And that's key to the conversion side of it. Um, okay. But you touched on why, why the e-commerce report does a little bit of this for a lot of companies. It's a combination of data from around all of those key sectors that I've mentioned, mm-hmm. broken down to see just what's important in those sectors and also then move into what we can do with some helpful tips in, in the areas that companies are probably struggling with most. Okay. Okay. Have you, this might be a bit throwaway, but have you got any, kind of blanket you mentioned that the report's all about the benchmarks really for any different Mm. sector when someone lands on a product page for example which is probably not the most likely but very likely given google shopping and facebook ads as we've said do you know what a a good bounce rate is or a good add the basket rate is or a good abandoned basket rate is and do you guys work with anything like that yeah so i think the the bounce rate's a tough one because that's essentially down to the search itself um if you've got bad search and you're still showing for it and people arrive on it especially from pay-per-click for example mm-hmm. and you you put them on a very you know generic page and they're looking for something very specific mm. you're gonna you're gonna get a high bounce and people are just gonna leave mm-hmm. in terms of average order value the way to give an uplift for that would be to try and cross sell if they're there to buy one item is there something else that they're going to they're gonna need to complement that mm-hmm. item? Is there something that's going to go well with that? So if you're buying a camera, what lens? If you're buying a, um, yeah, you know, I suppose a paddleboard, you need a wetsuit. I can tell you, you do. But uh, yeah. it's, it, it's, it's, it's things like that that are very important. But they're individual to the, that, particular that, that kind journey. of item. Yep. The other, and, the other side of it, though, isn't it, is with AOV is, yes, putting more items in the basket, like a wetsuit with a paddleboard, but what about selling the guy a more expensive paddleboard? What if there's one that's yep. a better brand? Yeah, and that's where, things, that's where things like reviews on the sites go, and mm. customers who looked at this looked at 
<laughs> X, Y, and Z. Um, and just remember, again, to the very start of the conversation, it's about trying to keep them for, for a lifetime of customer experience. You sell them the most expensive uh, paddleboard, you sell them the most expensive, or you sell them the most expensive wetsuit. What do they need? They're going to, you want them to keep coming back. You want to kind of encourage your customers to trust that you're going to give them a good experience, trust that you're going to give them what they need, but not over egg it to the point where you stuck everything in their basket that they probably and possibly don't want. And all that will result in is costly returns. You yeah. know, if someone gets something that they truly don't want, it, it, it nine out of 10 times with all of the returns that happen now, it's coming back to you. Yeah, giving people a good experience, educating them on, them on what they may like, giving them that conversion and retaining the information and having a really good CRM behind that. And that could be things like, um, so we use countdown timers um, with our clients. They're really quite good, mm. used at times through the year. Don't mm. use a countdown timer every week. Hey, countdown to our sale. Not every week. It's not, it's not a closing down sale. It's a bit yeah. old school. Yeah. Give them the, the feeling of this is only going to happen once or twice a year. The countdown to Black Friday, for example, that is going to give people a surge. You need to make sure you've got the stock. You need to make sure that you've got the right deals. Because if someone of your if one of your competitors is giving away the exact same product that there's a lot of at a cheaper price, you've just been, you know, bamboozled before you even arrive at the market. The idea is that when you do get them on your website after that countdown timer, on Black Friday, there are other items to complement that, that kind of that basket on that day. On Black Friday, you don't really just want them walking away buying that one item. You want them to feel like they're getting a good deal. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, a lot of the time you are. I bought a lot on Black Friday and I bought because I knew what I was saving. I'd had mm-hmm. a spreadsheet because that's just like you know how I roll. I like to have a, a nice formal spreadsheet for the Dyson I want to buy or for the yeah, camera nice. I want. <laughs> but it... it it really does differ and average order value differs throughout, you know, different industries mm-hmm. going on a flight. It's going to, the average order value is going to shoot through the roof of travel sector. But in geos, when you kind of benchmark that out, it is similar. Um, so a lot, I think our UK, check it for you. I think our UK average order value for desktop, for example, was 200 and uh sorry in europe was 209 mm-hmm. whereas in north america was 239 so people in america or in north america had a higher desktop um average order value whereas in the uk the mobile or in the europe the mobile was 144 pounds mm-hmm. versus 145 in uh, north america okay. so you can see it moving closer from a mobile perspective and that could be down to the fact that we're just more willing to kind of buy on our phones in the UK. We're more willing to make that purchase. Mm-hmm. The marketing, the, the you know, the, the, the abandonment email might be served in a better way or, or kind of taken in in a better way in the UK mm-hmm. as it might be in the US. But in North America, when they're reading it on desktop, they may choose to kind of act upon it on desktop instead. So mm-hmm. there's so many variables within a marketplace where, it's very hard to kind of just say, oh, well, we want to increase average order value. We should just have a mobile first site. It's not entirely true. Mm-hmm. Of course. Well, yeah, the, the fundamental thing you can say, and what I always say to people, as we've already touched on, it's if you want to increase your average order value, it's either more items per order or more expensive items in that order. There's only two ways mm. to do it. So, you know, that they're your choices. However that manifests, whether it's a better mobile experience, whether it's, add and cross-sell um, functionality to the website the, to, you know, via an app or whatever it might be. There you it, comes, it comes down to there's a fine balance between just really focusing on average order value and getting repeat purchase. Mm. You get a one-off average order value, which is 10% higher than you'd normally have, but they don't come back 20% of the, you know, 20% less they're going to yeah. come back. Yes. You've just, you kind of shot yourself in the foot. You want to make sure that there's not an overcompensation on it, but the average order value should be there. Now, we can tell from our analysis that companies that send out abandonment emails, so companies we partner or companies we work for, send out an abandonment email, they will normally get a higher average order value 
based off the fact that they've sent that kind of um, abandonment email rather than the first time they were there. So not nice. only are they okay. capturing that sale back, they're actually getting a bit of upsell in there. They're getting mm. a bit of a conversion there as well. And that's exactly what companies want to do. Um, not just think, oh, well, I'll increase my conversion. I'll keep on focusing increasing on the site. Those people are always going to be window shopping and leave. It's getting them back to the site. That's the key. Yeah, because if, if they're coming back for a second time, I guess they're, they're coming in with the idea that, look, I'm ready to buy here. But and while I'm buying, I might as well have a look if I can get a deal on an extra, throw something in the basket while I'm here. Yep. Really cool. No, that's that's awesome. Um, we touched on Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I was quite interested to learn that there was more money went through on Cyber Monday than Black Friday, because it's always the, it's, it's the Black Friday sale in my head, rightly or wrongly. Yeah, and it's become more of a weekend of shopping. It's become yeah, Black Friday, Saturday, Sunday, into Monday, and it's become, you know, a full weekend of it. Now, I think on the Friday, you've got people who are out there to get the bargain that they're looking for at that price. And the things that they're looking for that sell out quickly, for example, um, I think Aldi came to market with a really clever one this year, and it was AirPods, the cheapest they'd ever been in, on the market in the UK, and they sold out quickly. Of course. But the con the concept was to get you on that site because they've got a lot of stuff on their site and in the middle aisle, mm -hmm. and that was the idea. <laughs> um, so you're getting the things you really want on that Black Friday. So I knew exactly what I was looking for, had that spreadsheet, went for all my items, and that was me done. It didn't stop me from looking on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday to see if there was any kind of what I'd call stragglers mm. out there. Mm -hmm. And... You know, it's around the payday period. You're going out there. You're spending on things ready for Christmas as well. So it's essentially an anticipation for in, in, in the Christmas period. I think they're quite close. I think Black Friday was very close to Side Monday in terms of what, what the um, spend mm -hmm. was. It was an exciting time because it was growth year on year. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that that growth, I possibly was maybe expecting slightly more based on what we saw with the likes of Singles Day in Asia. and Yeah, that ben, was just... I, I could not believe the stat on Singles Day. Um, what, seven, eight times bigger than Black Friday, Cyber Monday? Something uh, you, like I'm that? Gonna, I'm, I'm going to bring it up because it's uh, it's one of those ones where if I say it wrong, it's, I, just such a, it's a big number to get wrong. Um, I link it to the UK in, in my work, quite honestly, so I, I, I couldn't... I couldn't believe my eyes when I, when I saw the, the number. And I wanted to ask you your thoughts on whether Singles Day will trip, trickle into the UK at some point. Right. So, yeah, um, I mean, 9 billion in uh, Black Friday revenue in 2020 versus a 7.4 in 2019. Some good growth there for a Black Friday. We were, in, we experienced COVID-19. The travel sales would have dipped, but the retail sales have, and the fashion sales have lifted there. Uh -huh. Cyber Monday is something very similar, 9.4 in 2019. 10.8 in 2020. You then move to Singles Day, um, which is a few weeks beforehand in Asia, and 74.1 billion versus 38.4 billion the year before. So yeah, so not only is it much bigger anyway, there was also a near 50% increase year on year. Oh yeah, and and I suppose you've got to look at the geos. Um, China is a huge uh, yeah. country there, and. It kind of all started when Alibaba really took Singles Day and made it exactly what it is. Yeah. But in answer to the question of is it moving west, to some extent, yeah. You're seeing around 10 billion in the, the Black Friday kind of sales. But you're looking at around one point, I think it's 1.1 1 .1 or 1 1.4 mm -hmm. in Singles Day. Yeah. So you're looking at 1.44 billion in sales for the UK alone, single stay sales. So it has already arrived. It's already arrived in a, in, a, in a kind of big way. Its growth is very small. So it's 1.4 billion versus 1.2 billion in 2019. But that's in the UK alone. Yeah. So I think companies are seeing it as like a tester, a little yeah. taster session for what you're going to experience in the Black Friday sales. Mm -hmm. um, and from what I saw, they were kind of mirrored. There was little tests in the market. I think it was more big companies that do have kind of worldwide recognition that were trying it, mm. but it was good to see. Um, 
any retail and any online retail is good and any kind of enhancement of what people are seeing is nice to see. But that is something that I think is going to mature over the next five or six years to the point where I think Singles Day will be something a little bit more recognised, but I don't think it will take over Black Friday, especially in the kind of Western cultures, okay. the US, the USA especially. Yes, it's it's and it's the same concept though for any anyone that might not know. It's it was set up as an anti Valentine's Day where people can, you know, treat themselves with a with a deal on whatever you might have been looking at over the past year or so. Um, I, I can see retailers using it as a as a jump on Black Friday. So yep. obviously this year especially, everyone will be clamoring for the Black Friday deals. But if some people go two weeks early and put their deals on, then you know the they may, may well win a purchase. I've been very lucky to uh, have actually been in uh, Singapore for Singles Day before, and right. I just didn't get it in terms okay. of, as, as a Westerner, kind of sitting there and looking around at what everyone was doing, and it just, I think Taylor Swift started singing the moment they hit their first, it might have been billion or 10 billion, and I think it was a minute and a half in and she was just told to sing because that is basically the day starts, the sales click in and then Taylor Swift was rolled out on stage. Started. <laughs> that's, that's how big Singles Day is. So it's, um, it's huge. If you are looking at kind of selling around the world, it's definitely worth, okay. you know, understanding your geos um, yeah. because that, that one was particularly impressive for me. So mm, okay. it's... It, you're right in the West, I think, sorry, in, in what the kind of Western countries, the USA and the UK, I think it can be harnessed. I think it's a good way of testing. I don't think it'll ever be as big because I think Black Friday inside Monday is growing. Mm. And I think it's becoming a bit more of a tradition. And people who are a bit more savvy online are now kind of, you know, making lists yeah. ready for Christmas. And it is a way of kind of preempting the the payday at Christmas and getting it out there yeah. early. So, um, yeah, I think getting ready for Black Friday. We are traditionalists here, especially in the UK, aren't we? We love a, an excuse to do something. <laughs> we are, and getting ready for it's the key here. Um, you and I might be getting ready for it to buy things uh, a week or so beforehand, Black Friday. But Black Friday, as far as retailers are concerned, the test should have been run. The analysis should have been done straight after. What worked, what didn't work, what we're planning for next year. Mm-hmm. What, you know, subject lines, you know, abandonment emails, you've mm. got that weekend to, if people have abandoned on Black Friday, what are we doing to get that conversion by Cyber Monday? And I'm not saying that's where we particularly come in, but that is exactly what where we come in and what we do. And, you know, th- this is why we see some amazing numbers because retailers know that that is the time that they need to get their conversions spot on. Yeah, um, not to beat the dead horse, but... I think it's a really key thing to understand that that piece of a consumer might come to the site on Black Friday, put what they can see as the benchmark in their head as the best deal they want on a particular item. That's gone in the basket. That retailer has opportunity to remarket to that same consumer, but that consumer, without a doubt, invariably, every time, is going to do a quick Google search to try and get the exact same product a little bit cheaper somewhere else because why wouldn't they? That's that's the whole idea, isn't it? And uh, yeah, I think there's two ways to, to kind of prevent that. And uh, one is brand loyalty. Okay. So you've got to have your pricing strategy right, which is the other thing, I suppose, that out of the two, getting the pricing strategy correct. So making sure that, mm. you know, I suppose there's a lot of sway with regards to manufacturers now anyway. So um, drones, as an example, there's going to be very little kind of margin between companies out there. Um, so they're all going to be in and around the same price. So what it comes down to is who do you like the most? Which brand of reseller do you like the most? Mm-hmm. And that loyalty comes from, again, everything we've already just talked about in getting to know your customer, getting the data from them, emailing them at the right times, setting them up so they know what to expect. If I feel like I've been looked after in the run up to Black Friday, with all of the emails, don't create the countdown timers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make the purchase from that company as long as there isn't too much of a price deviation. Look, if there's a hundred quid in it, yeah. you're always going to go where the hundred quid cheaper. Yeah. Cheaper. 
Yeah, that's it's an interesting one. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of consumers. Well, I guess it also depends on the AOVs we're talking about. If we're talking about a hundred quid here and there, we're probably talking about buying a Dyson or a stand-up paddleboard or things of that nature. I think on a on a fashion purchase, people will go towards the cheaper one, especially in the the fast fashion consumer world we live in. Yeah, and I, fashion was a strange one again this year because you've you've had a bit of a tilt shift. You've gone from, you know, the luxury fashion and general retail fashion, so you, you kind of uh, your mm-hmm. day to day fashion, your hoodies, and it's it's been flipped on its head. People were buying that for special occasions. What special nice. occasion have you? What special occasion have you had in this last year exactly? Mm-hmm. People have had to change, and I think that was where I saw it come through the most was companies who probably were never really online they only ever sold through uh high fashion resellers so your giant um stores your giant kind of like your fenix and your, your selfridges and so on they put their toe in the water of online companies that would only ever sell kind of high street and they didn't really have an online presence they had to learn quickly which means really launching an e-com site that they probably weren't prepared or, or not even had on their roadmap to do, but that's had to happen this year. So that was an interesting one. I've seen a few companies like that out there. Any of the big boys done it well, do you think, Ben? In terms of go online? Yeah. And, or just their online strategy this year? Yeah. Um, I think there's been some interesting moves in some interesting places that catch the eye. I don't want to go to Brewdog too quickly and just say, because I do like what they do in general as a marketing kind of team. But mm. one that I spotted a few weeks ago is they've moved to a subscription model um, as, as well as still selling in their online shop. But they've, they've kind of gone out there and they've tempted people in with a very eco-friendly subscription model. So you feel good to some extent about the eco side of it mm. and the sustainability side of it. But the way they executed it was tag someone in this and, and they can get like, you know, it's, I think it was four pounds for the postage and you get eight cans of beer free. They didn't pay for any of that. It was on LinkedIn and it exploded on LinkedIn, a professional network. And people were talking about beer. And, Don't care how professional you are. You'd love a beer. <laughs> yeah. And I really like how they try to keep you as well, because obviously the, the payments start after. So the, the subscription model, a lot of people might cancel. They were probably expecting a great deal of churn there. What they saw was, or what they went to market with in that email just before you were going to cancel, because they obviously knew. You sent that email out there and they went, here's your next shipment. And you got to see what was in the next shipment. And there it is, a collaboration with a chocolate bar type of beer. And I'm thinking that's right up my street. Um, so they've... You know, companies have adapted well and kind of hit that, the social area of it well. But what I've also seen companies do is just really take the time to sure up their sites, make sure that they're fast enough, make sure that the experience is right. If you do need to chat to someone, allow people to chat to someone. Moving your entire chat, your entire customer service team to home-based must have been a pain for a lot of companies. The ones that got there quicker, the ones that adapted quicker, quick enough, were the ones that will have been, in my mind, succeeding throughout because you've got your web chat person there chatting away, helping people with their orders. Mm-hmm. If you were going to say, you know, check back in 10 minutes or turn it off, they were possibly the ones that were going to suffer. Um, I suppose a northern company that I saw do, a northern company, a company that's around in the northeast that people would know would be um, Phoenix. And they, they've they done quite, you know, I like what they've done online. Mm-hmm. They they, I don't believe they had an on, they had an online presence, but they didn't have an e-shop. Mm-hmm. And I think what they do now is very, very smart in the way it looks. Um, I'm trying to think of another company that I really enjoyed. One of our clients, in fact, um, Interflora, Flying Flowers, mm-hmm. they did some really nice stuff because mm-hmm. one thing that was very nice to get throughout this lockdown period would have been flowers. Mm-hmm. You know, you're stuck at home, you're having a bad time of it, you know, you're working from home. You might not be getting out as much as you want to be. And I think they did a really good job of how they approached it. So I was very impressed with them, with, with what they did. The Interflora and other e-florists, if you like, they, that would lean quite nicely into the subscription model as well, wouldn't it? Everything seems to be 
Yeah. Leaning quite I mean, you can buy underpants on the subscription model. You can I'm, buy... I'm a subscriber to Oddballs, have been for a while. Yeah, so you've got Oddballs, you've got Step One, you've yeah. got companies like that out there. You've mm-hmm. um, and I mean you don't think how big it's gonna be. Step one or advertising on television, that's that's some that's some big budget behind something. Mm-hmm. I kind of like um, I prefer the oddballs mentality of it. I love mm-hmm. seeing Tyson Fury in them. So yeah. therefore <laughs> it, it's a bit more, to, you know, it's a, I just like that kind of edginess of it. But yeah. you look at the other models, your Hello Freshers. Mm. Morrison's are following that kind of model quite closely. I think they're trying to do their own. Mm-hmm. Um, beers, gin. Um, I'm heading towards drink a lot here, but there is more out there. And um, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. things like dogs. So mm-hmm. 25%, people, you know, people are getting dogs, puppies, left, right, and center through lockdown. You can now get, I think it's uh, you, their food, tailor-made for them, mm-hmm. sent to the door. But you can also get like a, a drop every single month with a toy, treats, and other items. Everything can be delivered there. Mm-hmm. I'm not confident that those models will exist forever in terms of they'll keep you there forever because I think you'll get sick. You'll open up someone, ah, this is not what I wanted this month. Mm. but I do think it's a very good way of gathering data, mm-hmm. getting a repeat purchase. And then if someone does cancel, I've still got my data. Mm-hmm. They're still mm-hmm. going to be able to get me again. Mm-hmm. Um, Hello fresh is still going to be able to market to me. Honest brew is still going to be able to market to me. So it's a, it's a, it's a decent model, but it doesn't take conventional online shopping out of the window completely. Mm-hmm. It just makes it a bit of a different landscape. So again, what it comes down to is ensuring that if people are putting things in the basket, you convert, you mm-hmm. get that conversion because they are there for a reason. They haven't just stumbled across your site, stuck a kayak in, in, in the uh, in the checkout just for the fun <laughs> of it. You know, I was genuinely thinking about it and I'm like, oh, I just don't know. And I don't know what would have tipped me over the edge. I think an email back to me, you know, telling me, all right, here's a little bit more information about it. This is what we can do for you. And that would be me kind of sailing away in the Lake District in the kayak. Very good. Very good. Um, no, you, you're right. If if there's an item in someone's basket, they've, there's, gone, there's a lot of decision-making, a lot of thought gone into the fact they've even put the item in the basket in the first place. So they're, they're quite a way down that classic marketing funnel of awareness, consideration, they're probably floating somewhere above purchase. And they just they just need tipping over the edge, don't they? Really? Yeah, very much so. No, it's awesome. Um, something I wanted to ask you about, just on the the back of a conversation we've had, you you brought up payday a couple of times. Yeah. Um, now it's for me and what what we do. Um, like I don't want to say it's just anecdotal because it isn't. We we see a bump month on month with in everyone's account that there are there are more transactions and there's more money coming through the store around the payday weekend it's just just a fact um but have you got any better data than that um on on payday or or the importance of payday for a retailer yeah well i mean the best way to frame it would be what we've just talked about in terms of this this whole journey what people are seeing through the month and then when they convert so we've been talking about people putting things in the basket and then people leaving Mm -hmm. and the key to all of that and the, the key to like when people are going to purchase is they might not actually have the funds necessarily for that. They're just, they are just window mm-hmm. shopping. Mm-hmm. So the cart abandonment trends tell you the most about that. So as you look through the month, cart abandonment goes up. So you're looking at it hitting just under 82% at the start of each month. And it kind of travels through the days of the month and moves slowly, slowly, slowly up to where it peaks around the 22nd, 23rd, 24th of the month. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, strangely, 27th, 28th to the 30th of the month, it takes a dramatic tumble down from around that 83%, just under around the 81% mark. Now, it may not sound like much, but when you're talking about a mass audience in some of our clients' Mm -hmm. um, eyes, that is huge numbers. And I think it comes to aspiration for, you know, no matter who you work with no matter how much online traffic you've got if you can lower that abandonment rate you're putting more money in your bank you're put you're giving more of your services out there 
And if you're a good company that gives a good service with a good rating, you know, you, you ask for reviews, you, you, you're you nice, got a nice customer service, you send the right emails, you don't hide the fact that there's postage charges on there. Mm-hmm. And you are thinking that they're going to get return and that people are returning. You've given them a good experience, yeah. but that's the right time to do it because yeah. again, they've been putting things in the basket all the way through that month. Tactically, when's the best time to send? Mm-hmm. Well, they're about to get paid. Yeah. How can um how can someone get started tracking abandoned baskets, Ben, if if they're not doing it already? And I imagine quite a lot of people listening to this might be in that very situation. Um, there's different ways depending on how you've kind of set up your site. Um, I am definitely no expert in setting up um, you know, the, the tracking side for, for mm. people's e-com sites. Mm. But what I know is that you've got to have some form of, of tracking in general. So analytics is probably what I call the most basic form of it. But if you do have Google analytics, it isn't all about looking at real time, mm. put those goals in place. Are people moving through to um, a specific URL, which would indicate that that's the after yeah. purchase page. So is there a landing page? Has there been a purchase? You can integrate more and more with the right platforms. So I know that you guys work with it. Is it Shoptimize? Shoptimized, Shopify. We'll do a little Shoptimized. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Shopify. Working with those guys and just simply asking the right questions to get that yeah. tracking in place. Understanding those metrics, understanding people who've made it to a certain part of your basket. Because yeah. if, if there's a, a huge drop off at one point, is it that you're selling the wrong product? Is it that it's the postage? Or is it that there's a fundamental problem on the site at the moment that you just can't see on your computer? Test across devices, give it a good go look at the analytics and, and see what um, is going on. There are some really cool products out there to do extensive user user testing, which would be the likes of Hotjar. Um, and I don't feel like it's a massive expense to really see what your customers are doing on a website. You want to cut off where they're falling out. And then if you can't, if they truly are going to abandon that basket, have someone like us there to, to stop that, mm-hmm. get them back on the site. Um, get them back purchasing and get them purchasing other items. No, nice one. Um, is there anything else in the report in terms of data that caught your eye that you that you think's worth mentioning before I let you go? <laughs> um, I'd say that it's there's a lot of information for a lot of different types of people in different industries. Mm-hmm. The um, the time of the week when people are purchasing. Um, was a standout one for me. I think I believe it's a Thursday. Mm. That's a bit of an unusual one. Um, but realistically, if people are expecting delivery by a certain day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it actually could make a lot more sense in that in, in that kind of area. Mm. Um, some of the statistics around mobile usage and desktop usage, I think it's worth having a really good look into it in your industry because they differ vastly. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's that window shopping element of it all. Um, it, it, is, it's a, it is a big read. It's, I think it's 55, 56 pages worth mm-hmm. of analysis. But um, the writer, Brad, um, Brad Ward, has done a really good job of analyzing the data, comparing and contrasting external data, and really bringing it to life in a way that is user-friendly with like little tips along the way because Anyone can write a report with just data in it and you've got to kind of take it away and analyze it yourself. Mm-hmm. The analysis he's put into it really makes it very, very functional for mm-hmm. companies, small and big. Um, although, obviously, from our perspective, we really want to show the big businesses out there what the state of the, the e-commerce world is right now. It doesn't mean it's not for everyone. Where can people get the report? Um, well, I can send you a link across, which you can paste into any form of where you're going to host this, but yeah, they can go on the sales cycle website, saleshcycle.com, get yourself across to resources or the blog where you'll find um, a banner for it. I think we've even got a uh, nifty, very optimized uh, conversion button on the homepage for it to be downloaded. Yeah. But I'm more than happy to talk to anyone about it. I'm more than happy to go into detail. If anyone wants to ask a little bit more about the stats, mm-hmm. just have awesome. to get in touch. I'm all over LinkedIn, but I do appreciate you chatting to me about it. I, I think COVID-19 is going to be a part of our lives, mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot we can do, especially online and e-com, to really, really build on 
the surge in traffic online and where we're going to go next with it. Yeah, I think that's the key takeaway from from this for me has been, look, even in our world, right, there's so many digital agencies and they're built on just sending loads of traffic to stores. But now we are getting a little bit more sophisticated. E-commerce has been around for, you know, it's, it's, it's done a few rounds now. We need to look at making the most of all of that traffic so we're not just paying for loads of ineffective traffic. We need to pay for traffic well, and that means making it convert, looking at, you know, why people are adding a basket, why they're abandoning basket, and what's ultimately driving that purchase, and just just mapping out that funnel as well as people I, can be doing. I can't agree more with it. And um, some of the things that I've seen, the segmentation that I've seen out there is actually quite clever that we are moving forward with. There was a time when you send a blanket email, just, yeah. just send an email out there and everyone will be fine with it. It might have the same offer for everyone. Everyone wants, to be honest, some people don't even want offers. Some mm-hmm. people just want to know what's new. Mm-hmm. Um, some people want a bit more info about it. Some people do want to be sent to a blog rather than a product page. Mm-hmm. I've seen and I'm proud of a lot of the work I've seen in this last year from the account managers and the designers at Sales Cycle who have looked at the issues that our clients are facing and advised in very much the right way to drive them forward through a pandemic rather than just the kind of business as usual stuff recommendations. It's been nice to see that they've kind of really harnessed what their client, listened to what their clients kind of needs were, harnessed everything that sales cycle has to offer and given it to the clients in the right way. So um, it's been very positive in that sense. And it's been nice to see. It's been great to see the online environment prosper Mm-hmm. albeit in the wake of seeing some industries suffer. Mm-hmm. But it's also nice to see those industries showing shoots of um, rebuilding, which in the Surges. travel sector, yep, yes, they are. Here's to a holiday in the future. Very much so. <laughs> no, uh, thank you very much again for that, Ben. And uh, yeah, I'll link, I'll link listeners up to the, the report. And, you know, you absolutely need to get over that if you're involved with e-commerce whatsoever. But no, cheers, Ben. Thanks, Thanks again. Thanks again. See you soon. Thanks for listening to No Bollocks Marketing. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the pod. And if you want more from your favourite e-commerce agency, including our expert blog and weekly emails, check out bechosen.co.uk forward slash content. Until next time. time.